Today's guest is a very special one and that we have Dr. Simon Godek on our show. He was connected to me via Chief Nerd on social media. And if you don't follow Chief Nerd or Dr. Simon as he goes on Twitter, you need to follow both of them because they are keeping you up to date, not only with what was going on during the pandemic and the aftermath of COVID and unearthing the truth behind everything that was happening, but they're talking about more current events that are going on right now and how um, just the, the powers that be are really um, trying to trying to uh, come after us, the people from many different angles. And I don't say that to to have, you know, a somber tone about this. Um, we have some truth warriors out there, which is fantastic and is very hopeful and wonderful. And so I'm I am so blessed to have Dr. Simon, one of those truth warriors on with us today. He's going to talk about his interesting story about he, how he got canceled. Um, he's a scientist. He has a PhD in biotechnology. And he basically was just kind of asking questions surrounding how a peer reviewed paper went through and basically circumvented the peer review process. He started asking questions about that and just some logical questions as a scientist about what was happening, goes on to get canceled for all of that. In the meantime, as God's divine plan would have it, he was doing work surrounding vitamin D and diving into the research behind that. And, um, you know, we heard a lot about vitamin D during the pandemic and the benefits of that. Well, um, it's a little bit more in depth vitamin D than just taking, um, you know, a supplement. And so Dr. Simon's going to dive into the health benefits of vitamin D and the important work that he's doing around all of that. So I can't wait to talk to him. But first, I want to let you guys know about our exclusive We the Patriots USA listener special. You all know that we've got our national conference coming up June 2nd and 3rd in Boise. I'm going to be emceeing the event. We've got big names like James O'Keefe, Steve Dace, Jenna Ellis, Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Ryan Cole. Well, you can get 50% off your tickets if you use the code SECRET50. If you're watching this show, you can see that on the screen, SECRET50. So pretty awesome. Head over to wethepatriotsusa.org to get your tickets today. And now our discussion with Dr. Simon. Where do we go from here? Because the battle has just begun. As eyes open, we continue to arm ourselves with the truth in all aspects of our lives, asking questions and relentlessly searching for answers, educating ourselves and forging a new path forward. Hear from real people faithfully pursuing freedom. This is Faithful Freedom with Taryn Gregson, presented by We the Patriots USA, a nonprofit 501c3 organization working to preserve and reclaim our God-given inalienable rights. Dr. Simon, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> and where are you joining us? Because I want people to know that you have a you lend a global insight to all of this because you got canceled uh, basically in Europe and and now you're in South America. I'm in Sao Paulo, South America, Brazil. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I haven't been canceled here yet because I don't work in Brazil. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to uh, get canceled if you don't have a job in the country. So um, yeah, I feel I feel good here um, for now. Very good. Well, let's take people down your path. You know, you, you're a scientist, you have a PhD in biotechnology. Um, just prior to the pandemic, you were 
working uh, as a scientist, and then you started asking questions. And I think it's so important that we dive into your story. I want to preface this to people because um, we are hearing so much about how people are getting canceled, and they're all getting canceled in in slightly different ways. Um, so it's important that we see um, that we share these stories to, to educate people on how this is happening. So so take us uh, briefly through your story of being canceled. So um, before before COVID, or even in the first year of COVID, I was I was just a scientist. I was quite a successful scientist. I was working on bioreactors. Um, I was building bioreactors, working on anaerobic aerobic bioreactors, which was um, quite exciting. Um, and I didn't take COVID seriously because um, so my background is system dynamics, biotechnology. I uh, already knew a lot about vitamin D. I wasn't publishing about it, but I was uh, preparing papers since 2017. Uh, and I was like, okay, as soon as the sun gets out during the summer, COVID will disappear or the panic will disappear. So I was I was staying on the quiet side. Uh, it was until, I think, December 2020 when I s spoke out. I didn't want to speak out, but I spoke out. Um, I had a very small Twitter account, I think 15, 20, 25 followers, maybe. <laughs> you know, these the little, you know, these... now you have so yeah, many yeah. followers now. Yeah, it's just, you know, just like one of these nobody accounts I had. And um, I was asked by, by a friend if I wanted to uh, dive into this peer review process um, of, of the uh, Drosten protocol paper. Um, so it's the um, PCR protocol, which Drosten, Christian Drosten, a German scientist, um, published. He published it in February 2020. And that's literally the, the protocol that got us into the pandemic that um, ran with a cycle threshold of, uh, of 45, um, made everybody who's healthy, um, declared them as sick. So without this test, there wouldn't have been any pandemic. Um, so... I was and being it was told behind that, the, sorry, just to clarify for people, yeah. it was about the PCR test, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally mm -hmm. correct. Um, so since I was an editor of a journal back then, um, I was asked by a friend, do you want to explain what happened there? And I was was just checking out and I, I, saw, I saw it on the paper. It was like submitted on one day, accepted the next, published the next. I was like, this must have been a mistake. I mean, it's, it's impossible. Uh, and I was diving more into it, more into it. I was checking the sources they mentioned. I was I was checking when the sources were um, were published, and some were just published the day before as well. So um, I found out that there is a time window of three and a half to twenty seven and a half hours from submission to publication of this paper. And I was shitting bricks literally. I was like, "This, this is fraud." I mean, I knew it right away. It's fraud. There's because no how, way. What's usually the timetable? uh for for these publications to happen six months until one and a half years yeah so <laughs> it's like you're running 100 meters against using bolt you're doing it in two seconds and he in 10 and people be oh this is the science oh my gosh science can change you know <laughs> 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 who believes that you know this, this is the reply i got i got from from other sides as well it's it's an exception and i was like no um, well, I was publishing it. I was writing a thread about it, a Twitter thread, um, explaining why it's impossible, just in a very rational way, without saying you guys should be jailed, whatever, you know, just very rationally. And um, I woke up the next morning with a very, very big shitstorm um, from other scientists from the Netherlands 
Um, because, you know, I, I was living in the Netherlands. The co-author of this paper was Marlene Koopmans, who is, I think she was now convicted um, for corruption. Um, I think she got money from the Chinese Communist Party. So, so we're dealing with these kind of people. And I was, of course, I was also mentioning her because she should have questioned uh, this, um, this, this process, but she didn't. And I was heavily attacked by other virologists from the Netherlands, from the University of Rotterdam and Utrecht. And I was like, wow, <laughs> these virologists, like they're badass. They're going after small accounts. And then I checked my followers. I had, I had several thousand I got overnight. So this is how I started. It started. <laughs> and yeah, I got heavy, heavy feedback. Then they went after my vitamin D papers that I published the year before. Um, I got retraction requests from from other scientists from the Netherlands. Um, they were telling my university that I had a vitamin D shop and it was uh, that I was selling vitamin D products. I wasn't back then. I was not even thinking about selling vitamin D products because I had a job at the university. <laughs> there's no there's no possibility to run a a business and work as a um, full-time as a scientist um yeah this caused some distress with of course my um former employer um but they backed me because they checked all the facts and they were like okay it's it's all right what you did was correct um but nevertheless um i think one month later i got i got dismissed um in a very odd way so they didn't say like okay we you're fired they just didn't extend my contract. And people can all say, that's fine. That's fine. You don't have to, to extend the contract of an employer, of an employee. But the fact was, I, I was running my pro project, my, my scientific project on, on funding that I got myself. And I got myself follow-up funding. So I was applying for calls, for scientific calls, funding calls at the European Union, myself during my free time. And I got the money for the university, so I won it for myself. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't go to myself; it goes to the university, and then they give the money to back to me. You know, mm -hmm. and they they contract me. Um, but what they did this time, they said like, "Oh, thank you for getting us the money, but we will get someone else who's uncritical." So I, it took me three months of free time to write this, you know, this proposal, and they took the money I generated for them, and they took someone who's less critical. Um, wow. so, which, so the, you know, obviously all of that is just, you know, horrible that they, that they basically took the money that you worked for and, and gave it to someone else. But it also, to me, you know, I'm a journalist, I'm not a scientist, but, uh, to me, is it not part of your job description really to be critical as a scientist? Isn't that what you're <laughs> supposed to be doing? Yeah, that's that, that's the fun part. So scientists are supposed to question everything, everything, literally yeah. everything. I mean, there's some, of course, there are some historical events that are well documented. They they don't need to be questioned, you know. But literally everything else should be questioned. Every theory. I mean, Einstein was doing this. I mean, he got cancelled as well to some degree, but he was mm -hmm. so famous he couldn't be cancelled all along. But um, yeah, so they literally don't want scientists who question things who are critical towards other colleagues or other theories. So that's what I learned. Um, I mean, this and, is just the one job. I, I lost yeah. another one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I, as we move on to the next one, I just want to say, as a journalist, I feel you in all of that. 
um, we are also supposed to be critical and asking questions and, you know, being the watchdogs of government and big business and, and keeping, you know, making sure that the people are being well represented and have their best interests. But apparently we're not allowed to ask questions either no. or we get canceled. So um, as one person that's been canceled to another, let's hear <laughs> your next uh, job that you got canceled from. Yeah. I mean, it's a systematic thing, you know. Um, so this next one. Um, so first of all, I got canceled on Twitter. So my Twitter account got taken down. Yeah. I think I was, I got a temporary um, ban for, I think, eight times. Um, two were for citing my own vitamin D paper. So um, my own peer publication was just citing it. And I was like, hey, Twitter, are you going to cancel me too for citing my own paper? And <laughs> one on week. On vitamin then. D, on vitamin yeah. D. Yeah. They said COVID misinformation, dangerous COVID misinformation, they stated. Um, I was questioning masks and I was always, always citing scientific, pure scientific papers that say, look, this paper um, says that masks um, might not help or are maybe even harmful. So I was citing science or scientific paper. I mean, citing science, science is a broad field, but at least citing evidence. Sure. So yeah, um, eventually I got booted off for for asking the question why Bill Gates was investing in BioNTech in September 24, 2019. I think it was 30 million US dollars. And I was linking to his website where it stated that they funded BioNTech. So it's like the Pfizer BioNTech thing um, with 30 million. So I was just asking the questions, hey, why did you do this? What a coincidence that you did in 2019. And I got boost, um, kicked off Twitter for that, for asking this simple question and referring to, to Gates. There's a misinformation, there's a lie. And I was like, how can I lie if I, if I, if I uh, refer to the foundation website? Exactly, so you're referring to the foundation website. I would like for you as someone who has a PhD in biotechnology um, and maybe for people listening that don't actually really know what biotechnology is, why that is such an important question to ask, why is Bill Gates and his foundation investing in biotechnology? It's important because they, I think they existed since 2013, 2014, and they never made any profit. They just failed in everything, even in clinical animal studies. They failed in everything. And then he comes just like prior to prior to the pandemic, which I call the plandemic. Mm -hmm. um, he just comes and invests like a whole amount of money into the company who's who, who eventually made the um, vaccine for the world. I mean, he invested in BioNTech and Moderna. So these two companies by chance. And I was just like asking like, uh, how? I mean, like, what a coincidence. I mean, like, <laughs> it's it, it's no coincidence. We know that. But I was asking the question because um, I felt I'm obliged to um, to ask, ask this. Um, and yeah, I got kicked off, and which was actually more or less a good thing in the aftermath. Um, because um, the funding I got for my Dutch university, I included several partners, several other research institutes and universities. And one of them was Norway. And I was asking, like, hey, I got canceled in the Netherlands. Would you let me work for you? And they're like, oh, we would love to have you. So I worked for them. One and a half years was like, it was amazing. There was no criticism. There were, everything was working fine. We were going ahead. It was a, we had a great relationship. Um, and then I got my Twitter account back. <laughs> oh, Twitter. <laughs> but, Three you know, imagine you having a voice in the public square, which, you know, 
for that institute, maybe they want to fly under the radar, but it also is good for, um, you know, scientists to have a, a voice in the public square. I mean, of course. I was, I think, in the whole institute, I was the only one who had a voice in the public square. The institute itself on Twitter has maybe one or two likes per post, and I have an average four or 5,000. Yeah. So I could have pushed their research, etc. cetera. Um, but I got canceled there too by asking questions. And um, when I got my Twitter account back, I was holding those accountable who canceled us. So I wasn't doing it like, oh, you should go to jail. You should, you know, people say like, oh, gallows, get the guillotines out. I wasn't even talking like that. I would understand if they wouldn't like that, you know, if I if I were um, criti critical in a very extremist way. But all I was, all I, what I did was I was taking tweets, tweets from those who canceled us. And I was just asking them, what, how do you see this now? What's your, what's your stance on your statement now? There are people who said like, oh, we should, all, all unvaccinated people should be killed, stuff like that. We should shoot them all. And I was asking them, hey, why? <laughs> on, on, on a scale from one to Hitler, well, how do you feel about this now? Stuff like that, you know? And Where, I was yeah, it's crazy that they can make those, um, you know, outlandish statements saying that people deserve to die for not being vaccinated, but yet uh, they can make those statements and it's fine, but yet you get canceled for just asking them if if that's okay for them to say that. And if they, you know, uh, feel differently about it, fast forwarding a couple of years, that's, that's crazy. Of course I was asking this in a very cynical way. As I said, like scale from one to Fauci, scale from one to Stalin. I love this. I love this expression just to, just to tease the other person a bit you know, to show like what they've been done was wrong, you know? Um, but I kept it in a way um, that it wasn't, con that it can't be considered extremist. Yeah. Um, there was some some degree of self-censorship, but of course I have to do it because I worked for a research institute and I cannot go all out. I cannot speak my mind 100% and I understood this, but still I got canceled for that. Um, they never officially said that this was the reason, never officially, inofficially, of course, I was being told, <laughs> but officially um, they suddenly came up and, and, and said stuff like, oh, he didn't reply to emails. <clears throat> and then I... I could show like, oh, I did. Oh, yeah, well, it wasn't that reason. There was some some other employ, um, employees were complaining about it. He was like, who? Can you tell me who and, and, and how and why? And they always came up with different reasons. There's, there are many reasons now why they obviously canceled me. And of course, uh, orally, I was told it was Twitter. It was, uh, they were not happy with my, um, yeah, with my statements. They called it external communication. And also their lawyer keeps on sending emails citing my tweets <laughs> they seem to go crazy about that um but yeah this is not going to court i have a great norwegian lawyer who's also uh, on our side totally on our side fighting for the truth in norway she's taking she's taking the the government to court and everything so she's my lawyer and i want to find out like who um who contacted my former employer to cancel me so there must be big players you know like I know the Gaines Foundation, Hotess. I mean, I, I was, I was, uh, I was addressing the biggest shills of the COVID pandemic on Twitter. So they must. I mean, it's just googling my name, and you would find it on top, and and, and they know who I work for, worked for. And so I would like to know who gave the who gave the go to cancel me again. So um, I think yeah. that's a very important question, and I appreciate you going through that process so we can have officially, um, hopefully. 
a discovery process and an answer for that because um, it is important that we expose who are the players in all of this. And so I think that it's wonderful that you are, you know, looking at it from that broader picture um, and outside yourself, because it is important that we, that we find out because as you talk about on your, your Twitter page, I mean, uh, this is just one layer of, of what's happening. COVID is just one layer of what's happening. And um, if our viewers are listening from around the world, they know very much about that. If people are listening just from America, you have a little taste, but I think that uh, the rest of the world really is seeing and living um, all these other various outlets that they are, um, you know, playing at us, at us at. Yeah, totally. Totally. It's a, um, you know, until three years ago when people said like, oh, the global government, oh, it'd be like, come on, shut up. I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> this, this is just crazy. But I mean, this is happening. There is some global network who are who are now pushing for everything we've been warning about the last two or three years. So I'm totally red-pilled for two years now, I think, two and a half years. I mean, I didn't believe in the pandemic since the beginning. Maybe the first week I was like, oh, there might be something. Um, but everything else that happened around um, or happened that time when people talked about WF, even, I even cited them in my, in my publications. I even took their numbers um, because I never dived into this. But as the more you know, the more you see how fucked up things are. I mean, the 15-minute cities, the, the carbon passport, the social credit system, all these things are coming in the name of climate change, battling climate change, or battling global warming. And I mean, if you look at the numbers of, of, of global warming, at least the numbers these climate scientists use, I mean, like they're as manipulated as the numbers that um, were used during COVID. So I'm not I'm not a denier. I'm just like a realist, and I want to I want to know what's the truth. I want to I want to um, tackle issues that that are occurring on this planet in a rational way, and not go the propaganda way that the that the media does and that many activists um, are approaching. As someone who, um, you know, was involved in this from the academia side, what are your takeaways on the state of academia at this point? Oh, that's a good one. I think it's dead. Not totally dead. Um, so now I'm working for Brownstone. You know, might know Brownstone Institute. Um, I mean, working for them, I'm, I'm a scholar. So, um, and I publish whenever I want to. So there's no pressure on me. But that's what I actually like. It's to be independent and not to have any pressure on you about what you can say and what you can't say. So what I've seen, because um, my publication, which is now still peer review from me, it's about climate modeling. So I, I did modeling and I used the climate models in order to predict um, how, to what degree, greenhouse um, horticulture could be affected in the future. So I took the IPCC models and I mean, I don't agree with the IPCC models. And I put this in the, in the, in the paper that we have to be cautious regarding the models. And I said, like, you, you can see like what happened during COVID, the models were all inaccurate. So we have to be very, very cautious. And of course there's lots of, there's lots of pressure on me in order to take things out, to remove things from the paper, to not be too critical towards IPCC. So there it's from the co-author side and the journal side. So they don't like to see criticism on regarding their belief. And the same happens if you're in academia, if you work for institutes, if you work for the university, they select these people who are part of the cult. 
So if you're critical towards any theory since the beginning, they will not take you. They will take those who are uncritical. They they take those who, um, yeah, who actually support one specific theory, be this the virus theory or like um, at least the COVID theory, be this the um, climate change theory and whatever whatever you find, which is the current thing. So it must be the current thing. Uh, Norwood was they were not even allowed to um, um, employ Russians right now. So if you're Russian, you cannot get employed there because it's against the current thing. Um, I think our Christmas money went to Ukraine. And it's like all these things that were going on, at least in Norway and in other countries, highly concerning. Because um, also um, one thing which is super important: if you want to become a full-time professor, you have to comply. <laughs> So you will never become a full-time professor if you if you're questioning the status quo. That that again means that these are un like uncritical people teaching the students uncritical things. Yeah. So the original idea of science to be critical, to question everything, is not even taught to the students anymore. And that's the current academia. And that is dangerous because it has ripple effects for generations to come because it's not just happening in the present. It's um, yeah, it's being taught to those that are going to come right after them. It's a vicious circle, nothing yeah. else. Yeah. And I do want to ask you a little bit about those climate models before we talk about your vitamin D uh, the vitamin D work that you've been doing. But I do want to ask um, with your perspective on all of this and the idea of those that are uncritical being you know, the ones that are being put into positions and, uh, you know, given this work, do you think that that drive to put those that are uncritical in is a part of a push for a specific agenda? Or do you think that it is that people are just so easily offended now if you go against what they have thought and believed? Mm, I don't know. Um, it's a difficult one. So I can just give you some analogy. Um, I, When I did my PhD, I was first doing it in Iceland, and then I finished it in the Netherlands. Um, and my supervisor in Iceland, my supervisors, they're all members of the Club of Rome, <laughs> which I consider a sect, but okay, they are. And they're into climate change, climate change models. And once I was asking, like, are you really sure that CO2 is the drive for, for, for global warming? Eh? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I got into trouble. <laughs> they were getting mad at me. Like, never question the science that's settled. I'm like, wow. <laughs> and I don't is believe that CO2 is a driver. I was, I was just like, because I was, I was reading some papers back then, critical papers, peer papers. And they said, like, okay, um, they're raising CO2 levels. Of course, there's, it's burning fossil fuels. There's, I can't deny it. But also because warmer temperatures cause more CO2 in the atmosphere, not vice versa. Um, so I read a paper with this. So I was asking, I was just asking the simple question. I mean, like, there is no consensus, at least, but they say there is a consensus and I shouldn't, I shouldn't question this. And that was when my mind started thinking. And I was like, wow, this is not what you say. Actually, you go into a discussion, you say, okay, the one side does this, the other side says this, there's evidence for this and that. So that's a normal discussion, but not like the science settled, shut the fuck up. Um, that's what I experienced. And I really don't believe that CO2 is, is, the, is the main driver. I, I really don't believe um, that's the case. 
um, especially as I also have several papers on horticulture and know the more CO2, the more plants, just to make it very, very, very simple. Um, and the more plants, the greener the planet, the more green lungs, the better the microclimate, etc. So I think blaming it on CO2, which is essential for life, is just plain wrong. But that's how they can control us. You know, they can take the carbon and say, you have a carbon credit, credit we can we can um, quantify the carbon. And that's that's how we can control um, society. But just, uh, yeah, but just but just going that way. Um so it doesn't mean that I say, oh, the IPCC models are totally wrong. They might be correct, but I think the the factors or um, the um, yeah the factors they're based on are are simply maybe maybe not correct, maybe not um, complete, maybe um, yeah, just like you know, um, you have. If you have a model, you have parameters, you have input parameters, and they use input parameters, for example, as the main input parameter for them is CO2 and maybe even methane, but they don't look into solar activity as, as input parameters. So I think this is what I'm criticizing, um, and that's why I think the IPCC models are biased, just to, to put it in a very simple way. Um, and yeah, if you question this, you also get, you also get um, canceled. <laughs> I would love to it. learn more about the, the uh, solar... Um, impacts that you're that you're talking about there because I do agree and I've seen different models from uh, guys like Ray Archuleta and different people that are in um, the the permaculture movement and um, and how they're showing how agriculture and um, you know monoculture versus a um, you know a rounded system that used to exist on Earth versus the mono system now and how CO two levels rise and fall with um, harvest and, and different things like that, um, in this monoculture, you know, single crop, uh, scenario that we have going on. So I agree with you. There is, um, and you know, CO2, good, healthy CO2 is, is very important to it's very life. Important. It's yeah, it's very important to life. And, um, so, we, you know, we could go down a rabbit hole with that, but I wanted to hear about your other factors with the solar, um, that you were speaking on. Yeah, it wouldn't be a rabbit hole. I do permaculture myself here in Brazil on four hectares. So I know what you're talking about. And regarding the solar uh, solar activity, I think I'm the wrong person to talk to. They're really experts. I, all I do all I do is reading papers, is reading publications from both sides. And I made my mind, and I'm convinced that it's not the CO2. Um, but I can't I can't just recall too many details. Sure. I can I could recall graphs. I know the graphs. I know I know some facts. But I think there are people who can really blow your mind. By um, by showing you how the IPCC um, even even or NASA even fake data in the beginning of the nineties um, to have which result in this hockey stick, you know, and this yeah, yeah you can see me the hockey stick uh, um, with the um, yeah with the CO two and the, and the climate um, that's that's increasing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll have to get some of those guys on, but you are. <laughs> Uh, you are an expert on vitamin D. And so I want to talk about this because vitamin D got so much play during the pandemic. And there is a vitamin D deficiency globally happening in pretty much everyone. Um, we've been told to fear the sun, to cover up from the sun when you go outside, slather sunscreen on you that may or may not be toxic and um, fear the sun. And obviously, you know, our diets are, are lacking and what they should be as well. So, um, you know, educate us on what we need to know about vitamin D. 
Ja, yeah. vitamin D, hashtag stay home. <laughs> if, you, if you remember that one, yeah. it was brilliant, brilliant. Guys, don't go outside, don't get vitamin D, don't get a sunbath. Um, so what, what we know, and that's why me and many other scholars, there are people who have been vitamin D for 30 years. Um, I'm in vitamin D for six, seven years now. It's, it's not that much. Um, but it's such a small, such a small field. Um, you, you learn about this quickly. Um, what, what we know is at least that in the US, more than 80% of vitamin D deficient and vitamin D deficient in a way that the CDC or the NHS would define deficiency. So they say that 20 nanograms per milliliters is okay. It's all right. It's, it's not perfect, but it's sufficient. Um, and that's not the case. Vitamin D sufficiency starts at 14 nanograms per milliliter. And that's what they say, very high value, very high blood serum level. And it's just the minimum you should have. Wow. Um, so the way they determine what's sufficient, what's not sufficient is very biased. And what we saw is that people who have an adequate vitamin D blood serum level, I would just say adequate is 35 and above. They wouldn't end up in hospital. They most likely wouldn't even get sick. And those who really died of or with COVID or whatever they were dying, dying of, um, I, I usually say they died of uh, high cortisol levels, inflammation. So I wouldn't even say when they say it's COVID, I wouldn't even say it's COVID, but okay, whatever they died off with from, um, they all had very low um, blood serum uh, levels of vitamin D. I think an average between, I think, uh, 7 and 15, if I can recall correctly. Mm -hmm. um, so this hasn't tackled. So we know if we go into an early treatment um, of vitamin D, which means uh, people are already are already ill or sick, and they, they just take it orally, okay? So um, you would avoid hospitalization by around 90%, wow. 90%. And it takes a long time to, um, for the vitamin D um, blood serum level to, to, to get to the levels you, you want. We talk about um, weeks and months here. So if you take very high um, doses right from the beginning, um, yeah, the, the hospitalization would be, the chance would be reduced by 90%. Um, but that's just the oral form, uh, the D3 form you, 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 you can buy everywhere. Um, but if you get uh calcifagial, which is like the 20, 25 OH D3 form, the bioavailable form, you get it, you take it orally or you get it IV. Um, then even a late treatment, if you're really, really, really bad off, if, if you're like about to die, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it reduces the, the chance of dying by 73%. That's what we have seen. Wow. And also that it can actually reduce sepsis to almost 100%. And most people die because of sepsis in the hospital. But all of this information has been suppressed. Um, suppressed. Uh, there's already the word press and suppressed. So the press has suppressed this information. Um, social media has canceled this information. Millions of people have died because this information has been suppressed. And um, this is something serious um, because... Those who have been silenced, who were talking about this, are talking about this now. And there's evidence that um, it works 
much better than the vaccine. I mean, the vaccine didn't, didn't work at all. I mean, <laughs> the contrary was the fact, but people would have been safe with vitamin D um, big time. Big time, and if you look into the studies, they're they're meta studies, and you look there are some with a negative outcome. You can just you can just see this said like sufficiency is 20, 20 nanograms, and of course it didn't work. I mean, like you have to go to high levels, but those publications who went to high levels who used uh, calcifagil, um, yeah, they were they were almost um, yeah they were almost one hundred percent successful. At least um, when you have the the early treatment, not the late treatment, when people are almost dying. Of course, there there are more factors in play. Um, but regarding the early treatment, uh, we know people with an adequate vitamin D level, they don't even get sick. The chance to get sick is, is close to zero. I think that is important that you drew attention to um, those studies that did not support the vitamin D, didn't have their threshold at an appropriate level. Um, but, you know, I think that it's so... Um, it's such a God thing that he had you doing this research at the time that, that COVID came around because, um, you know, it was an issue before vitamin D deficiency was an issue before COVID. Um, I think that many people have woken up to that through COVID. So now, you know, we can move forward with trying to figure out this issue and, um, you know, the various ways that we can simply just go outside, the supplements that we can take and the complexities behind vitamin D and the different ways that it is absorbed in your body by how it pairs with, you know, other nutrients and, and minerals. I want to show on your Substack website, um, let me pull it up here, a very awesome chart that you have that shows people right here, um, you know, how important vitamin D is in the grand scheme of things um, in your body. And for those that are watching us on Rumble and our various video platforms, Odyssey, Brighton, et cetera, you can see this, this uh, chart that you have and how number one, overall uh, impact that you can have on yourself is healthy food. Number two is exercise. And then you have there number three, vitamin D, but you have all these other, um, you know, these other nutrients and uh, minerals like omega-3, magnesium, zinc, and uh, vitamin K2, all of these in yellow alongside the yellow vitamin D uh, bubble on here. Why are these other ones uh, so important? That they're attached to this vitamin D. Oh, that's 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 quite easy to explain. So, in order um, to transform, you know, to metabolize um, vitamin D in its bioavailable form, you need magnesium. Magnesium is super important for enzymatic activities within the body. So, eighty um, percent also have magnesium deficiency in the U.S. So, people take vitamin D and nothing happens. It's just like <laughs> you just poop and pee it out. Yeah. Um, and the same is with the vitamin K2 is super important because um, you want to avoid calcification within the body. If you just take vitamin D, um, calcium might accumulate in your veins and it might uh, lead to serious um, um, health um, issues. So that's why I integrated it there. And I took all these minerals and I put it into one product um, because I didn't find any product myself. So I was taking all these all these. Uh, vitamins and minerals every day. I was swallowing, I think, 10 pills per day. And I just put them into two pills now. Um, since I got canceled again, <laughs> here we go. Since I got canceled again, I was like, I need to do something to to remain independent. And I was putting up Sunfluencer. Um, this is the Sun product. The next product that's coming is the C product. It's going to be omega-3. 
um, with uh, E vitamins and CoQ10, I think. So um, this is the uh, vitamin D product that I put put together, which I consider um, a very good composition um, that gives you everything you need to live a Western lifestyle, which means you can still stay in office. I mean, uh, you don't have to go outside for several hours per day, um, which which we don't because uh, I mean, like uh, our our society now requires that we that we work inside that we work sitting uh that we use the computer that we don't do what people did in the past doing permaculture being outside being a lumberjack a farmer yeah. etc so yeah this is my startup this is great and i think it is so wonderful that you're educating people through your product on the importance of um you know the vitamin k2 and and different things like that um you know, are there ways to, with using your supplement and for people to get this through the, the food that they eat and, and different ways like that to maximize their vitamin D absorption in a healthy way? Yes. So what's important is to take it together with the fat, with a fatty meal or with omega-3 fatty acids, which are super essential DHA, EPA, um, as I said, will be the follow-up product, which will be launched maybe somewhere this year. Um, and it's very important also to to eat what people ate in the past. So eat liver, eat the chicken heart, um, eat kimchi, sauerkraut, drink kombucha, all the stuff that your grandma used to eat, you should try to eat as well. And what I want to stress out on this sunfluencer.com website where I'm selling this product I have a blog and I think the blog is, is almost more important than the product itself because I'm educating people on the blog why vitamin D is important, why omega-3 is important, why K2 is important, what it does to your body. I have articles written in a very scientific way. I have others that I wrote in a way that are very comprehensive and I just urge you to check out um, the blog and just, just read it, just enjoy the content. Um, because it's it's knowledge that you will need for for a good and healthy life. Well, I appreciate that. I know I've poured through your Substack, uh, Doctor Simon, uh, your Substack, and I've enjoyed that. So I'm going to need to pour through your website, which is sunfluencer.com, and I'll put those in the show description and the show notes for people to to go and view that because I think this is such an important topic um, and that it's going to have lasting impact on all of our health as we move forward. So I appreciate all uh, everything that you do and the voice that you are, even though it has gotten you in a little bit of trouble uh, professionally, it is uh, it's important and it's needed. And so I encourage people to to go follow you on Twitter. You're you're such an awesome follow. Is there any other ways that you want to tell people to, to follow your work? So Twitter is, is I think, now the way to go because I have a big voice there. Um, Substack, drsime.substack.com. You could find me on Telegram. That that was was a great platform while it was canceled. That didn't cancel me. I think it's just Godek, just my surname as a channel name. Um, and, of course, my Sunfluencer blog is, is, good, is a good source to follow. And I think this is literally where I'm active. I'm on Getter as well. I should be more active again because they also didn't cancel me and I post there eventually. So those who don't still don't like Twitter, just 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 get on Getter. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Simon. I appreciate this discussion. And if you also listening or watching appreciated this discussion, please prayerfully consider supporting this podcast and our mission at wethepatriotsusa.org to fight for medical freedom, religious freedom, religious exemptions, and so on and so forth with all the different cases that they are able to take on due to our generous donors and um, all of our audience that helps to power this podcast. So thank you to all of our listeners and thank you, Dr. Simon.